is Living Your Big Bold Life Podcast, and I am your host, Bette Lucas. I am a mom of six crazy kids, I work as a VP in a fast-paced industry, and I've been on a health journey. But what does living your big, bold life even mean? Living boldly is having the courage to finally listen and do what your heart has been trying to tell you all along. Maybe it's to take back your health, write the book, go for the job, run the race. And I'm here to help you listen to that voice and to remind you to be you boldly, the world needs you. Hello, welcome to Living Your Big Bold Life Podcast. I am your host, Bette Lucas. Vivian is now 10 months old and I am approaching my pre-baby weight. And many people are like, how did you do it? What has worked for you? I feel like you trimmed down much faster this time. I feel like you're leaner this time. And to be honest, am I? I don't know. Um, I did trim down post-baby much faster this time. I did. And why did I do that? Well, a couple reasons. Number one, I followed many of the tools I share here on Living Your Big Bold Life podcast. And those tools work. They work. And it's the reason that I'm here. It's the reason I keep showing up because they make a difference in my life in your life, and I believe in the message that my guests are sharing with the world and the tools they are providing. Number two, I had to stop breastfeeding a little earlier. And to be honest, it's a really tiptoed around topic, another bold thing I like to talk about. And breastfeeding, for most, helps you hold on to weight, not lose weight. There are many of you who will say, oh, it helped me melt the weight right off. And that's great. It did not for me. And most of the people I talk to who write into my show say the exact same thing. So I wasn't happy to end my breastfeeding journey as fast as it ended, but it was my path this time. And I can wallow in that. I can be sad about that. Or I can say, you know what? I'm a big girl. I'm going to pull up my big girl pants. I'm going to see the good in this situation, and you can call that toxic positivity. I don't give a crap, but for me, (laughs) I like seeing the good in this, and the good in this was I had to ask for more help. I had to get breast milk donations. I have connected with moms that are truly angels in my life as a result, but I will also tell you that a silver lining for me is not that I lost weight quicker. It's just a part of my story. So I want that shared so that if you are a breastfeeding mom out there and you're saying, well, Bet lost it this fast and I'm not, I want to provide you some encouragement and honesty that that did play a role in my ability to lose faster. However, between all of us, I never was able to breastfeed much past six months. It just didn't work. My milk would dry up, unfortunately, no matter how much pumping, when I went back to work and was traveling a lot. Some of you may think that's super sad. It's the reality of my life. I have to accept that and be okay with it. I made it work and all my kids are thriving and healthy. I think they're amazing, (laughs) P.S. 
<laughs> Anyways, what was another thing that I think helped me stay healthy during this time? I really think working from home more was a huge blessing for my health journey. I know it is more stressful at times. I know for some of you, you're like, what? But for me, I wasn't traveling. I wasn't commuting. I was able to fit in workouts more easily. If I didn't have a Zoom call where I needed to be in a professional setting or attire, I could be in my gym clothes all day and then fit in a workout on my lunch break super easily. So I would say that played a role. I can't deny that. And I also can't deny that I really felt healthier, happier, and more vibrant being at my remote work office. And not everyone has felt that way. We all have very differing opinions. Some of you don't have jobs that you could work from home more. But I will tell you that did add a nice component. I am returning back to the office a little bit more now, and I'm trying to have a good attitude about it and put a smile on. But I love remote work. It has been actually a huge blessing for me. At first, it was challenging and there was shifts and and transition and adjustments. And yeah, sometimes the kids interrupt me and it's embarrassing or sometimes they don't respect my rules, but most of the time they do. And it's just been a really neat thing. Today's episode is all about the diet and exercise and fasting things I did this postpartum journey, which helped me return to my pre-baby weight. Critics out there could say you are telling moms to not love themselves where they are at. You're telling moms to rush a beautiful stage in life. Both of those, I say, no, no, no. It is not true. I am just here to share some tools that have worked for me to help me feel my best, to feel strong, to feel vibrant for my family and for my friends and my community, all those things that I love so much. So let's go. Let's start this thing and quit on the tangents, huh? Number one, I have been less rigid on my fasting windows. What does that mean? You mean you've actually fasted less? You've actually had longer times of eating? Yes, I have. You know, I have found for me, I'm just really easygoing about it. Some days I do a four-hour window and some days I do a 12-hour window. I'm not kidding. Like, it just depends. And I'm very, very okay with that. And that works for me. For some of you, that does not work. And especially on vacations, I've been really like laid back about it. And I just find that works really well. Now, what do I do the majority of the time? The majority of the time, I'm a one and a half to two meal a day girl. I open around lunchtime and then I've had a lighter dinner is kind of what I've been trying to do. I love doing an earlier window, and for many of you who have followed me for a long time, one of my preferences used to be was to close like around early afternoon. It just hasn't been working well for my schedule lately. And if you know me at all, I do switch around a lot, and I just, I don't get super rigid about it. If I had over 100 pounds to lose, maybe I'd need to be more rigid. Maybe I wouldn't need to be. I don't know the answers. All I know is right now that has worked well. 
But what the difference maker for me has been is that I have thrown in a one day a week mealless day, not meatless, mealless day. And that has really been a jumpstart for my journey. When I was struggling to kind of break through a certain point, you know that when you have a weight and it's just, it won't budge. I've been in that situation many times throughout my life. And a mealless day for me was kind of the ticket this postpartum journey. And I have talked about this on many episodes. I share about this in my Motivate Facebook group. I share about this on Instagram. Effectively, I stop eating around Sunday at some point post-dinner, and then I do not open my window until sometimes on Tuesday. Sometimes it's as early as 9 or 10 in the morning. Sometimes it's as late as 12 to 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I literally don't sweat it. I just listen to my body and how much I'm working out. All of those things kind of factor in. Now, to get to a point to do a mealless day, it took time and practice. And you're not going to be perfect at it right away. It's going to feel hard at first if you really haven't fasted before. But it is such a difference maker for me and for my journey. And today's episode isn't to dive into what a mealless day looks like, how to do it, all the things. I've shared that on other episodes. However, that has been a huge part of what I believe has helped me break through certain plateaus on this postpartum journey. Number two, I believe that movement has played a role. Now, I don't believe movement is all weight loss based, but I believe movement helps you reduce stress. Lower stress levels help you release weight better. I believe movement helps you sleep better. Better sleep, less stress, less weight. I believe it's all connected. I also believe it helps with your body composition, and that helps with confidence too. I like feeling strong. I I notice when I lift a little bit or I go on a run or I go on a walk, it really helps my posture. It helps how my clothes fit. So that has played a role. And I really believe that getting outside, seeing the sun for at least 30 minutes a day makes a difference. So many of us are stuck in the house with our jobs or with the kids, whatever it may be. And if you can find a way to combine your movement with getting some vitamin D, wow, that is to me like an amazing combination for both your physical and mental health. And especially to the postpartum moms out there, I know a lot of times you can feel like you don't even have time for a shower. You don't even have time to get outside. This is something to make time for. Put the baby in the front pack, put the baby in a stroller, and go for at least a 30-minute walk. Go for a 20-minute walk if that's all you can do. It will make a difference almost instantly. I have listeners report that they come back and they're like, Bet, I feel so much more like invincible after a short walk even. And I'm like, yes, it is a difference maker. Get out there and move. Number three. You know, I think this is something that I mentioned on my interview with Ted Naiman, but if you are struggling with eating something, like I'm going to give you an example. On one of my postpartum journeys, I would buy the mini Reese's peanut butter cups and I would put them in the freezer. However, people, I would not just eat one or two here and there. It was like, oh, 
I'm starving and I had some food. I'm going to have three. Well, let's just say I do not believe those were helping my health journey. And what I have found this time around is that it's really helped me that if I'm overeating something, overconsuming something, having it too often, that I just don't buy it for a while. I really think that is a healthy move. Some of you say, oh, life's too short, or oh, that's that's diet mentality. I, I actually completely disagree. If you are struggling with Reese's peanut butter cups in your freezer, like a good old Bet Lucas was and would be today if they were here, don't buy them. Buy things that you like that serve your body best. What have I figured out is an amazing replacement for that? A really, really high percentage dark chocolate. The one I like has a few nuts in it. I'm telling you, I can have a square or two of that and it is delicious. It like checks the box for me. And however, if I find that I'm eating it too often or too much, or I want it before I've even had a meal, guess what I do? I stop buying it for a while. Same applies to wine, people. If you are finding that wine is being consumed too often or other alcohols, quit buying them. Stop buying them for a while. Take a break. Limit yourself to, hey, I'm only going to have it when I go out to eat. Hey, I'm only going to have it when, oh, Spencer and I do couples golf on Thursday. I'm only going to have alcohol on that night and one other night when I go out to eat. That's that's it. That's when I'm going to have it. And you know what? That's worked really well for me. It's too easy if it's there. It's too easy to say, it's been a long day. I want a drink. Or friends stop by and they're over for dinner and yet you've had wine with your husband two nights in a row. I'm telling you, stop buying it. And then guess what? If you start buying it again, I guarantee after you took a break for a while, you might notice that you want it or have it much less. And if you find your habits just revert right back to where they were, maybe you need to consider giving it up all together. And I hate being the bearer of bad news, but if it is making a dramatic impact on your health journey, that is something that you need to be a big kid about. I look back at different periods in my 20s where I had gained weight, and guess where that weight came from? That weight was from over-consuming alcohol and then eating out like all the time and snacking all the time. That's really what it was. I was over-consuming everything, not just food, but beverages too. And I was puffy. I was. I, I really was. And I'm not, I'm not naturally like that, but I thought I was because I kind of got stuck in that for so many years. Number four incorporating more and more seafood and lean protein in addition to my higher fat proteins like hamburger or ribeye and things like that. But I have noticed that I'm also eating more shrimp, more scallops, more tuna, more salmon. And I find that a lot of those are great lean protein options. I also find that I was really not eating enough seafood and I was limiting myself on the protein side. I think I was really focused either on a rotisserie chicken or hamburger and sometimes steak. 
And I have found by incorporating more shellfish, more salmon, more halibut, I have found that that has been extremely satiating. It's added diversity to my diet. I know it can be more intimidating to cook. For some reason, I don't know why. It's not harder to cook, but I think we're all a little bit more intimidated about it. But I think it's a difference maker. So it's kind of that surf and turf mentality. If you are trying to focus your meals around a protein and building your meal around a protein, which I I love to emphasize, I really, really think it's key that you incorporate some more seafood into your diet. If you're pure carnivore, you can eat a little bit more fat. But if you're somewhere on that spectrum and you are eating some amount of carbs, you want to dial back the fats just a little bit. You do. You need to watch a little bit more. You can't have the fattiest meats and then eat all the carbs. Now, if you're more a low-fat eater, you probably can eat more carbs. It's really interesting to watch this. No matter if you're in the lower fat, more vegetarian profile, or whether you're in the high fat, more carnivore profile, the thing that we've been talking about in the last few episodes is that fat is not free. Now, you can get away with more fat depending on where you are on that spectrum. And there's science and logic behind that, like the light bulb goes off, right? So what I would say is if you are eating whole, nutrient-dense foods, it doesn't matter if you are carnivore or you are vegetarian, you're keto, you're low-carb, you're paleo, you're whatever, but you need to make sure that the foods you are pursuing on those eating lifestyles are not packaged foods and just marketing tools to get you to eat the new keto chips or the new keto bar. And sure, you can have them, but those shouldn't be the foundation of your eating lifestyle. The other thing that I have loved eating more of is Greek yogurt. My favorite Greek yogurt is Faye, and I love the 2% with the strawberry little side packet that it comes with. And I add some PB Fit peanut butter powder A few of you have asked why. Well, PB powder gets you a higher protein percentage and less fat. Effectively, that's what I'm working on. Now, again, I'm not anti-fat. I eat butter. I love it. But what I've acknowledged is that it's really easy for me to eat almost all fat. Like I love all foods that contain fat. I love any sort of dairy. Like I love milk and cheese and You know, milk is what we give babies and mammals to gain weight. That's what it's there for. There's a reason I love it. (laughs) There is a reason I love cheese, right, people? But Greek yogurt really satisfies me. It kind of checks that box of giving me a little bit of a sweet treat, but I get a lot of protein. I really find it's a great tool for me, this postpartum journey. The other little packet uh, that I enjoy are the individual Good Culture Cottage Cheese. I love those. I buy the 2% ones. I put some truffle salt on it. And I believe they have 19 grams of protein. 19 grams of protein. 
boom, I'll take it. And it tastes super good. In fact, I opened my Tuesday yesterday. I opened with exactly that after a long mealless Monday. It felt amazing and it tasted so good. Again, good culture cottage cheese. Another tool that you can use. I did the data-driven fasting challenge. And Within the data-driven fasting challenge, you learn how to test your blood sugars and how that gives you the cues of when to eat and when to not eat. And if you're someone who is kind of hit a wall on your fasting journey or on your health journey and you want to try data-driven fasting, data-driven fasting may be a great tool for you. Because what it does is you start learning at what point is the perfect point for you to eat. And the beauty of data-driven fasting is that it aligns with my kind of laissez-faire, flexible fasting approach, which means that some days I open my window early and some days I open it late. And that works for me because some days... My blood sugars may say, yeah, you need to eat right now. Your body is telling you, hey, you are at a 79 on your blood sugar meter, and that is your hunger cue. Perfect time to eat. It really helps you learn more about your body. And so if you are interested to learn more, I have the link in the show notes. But that is another great, great tool. It never hurts to learn more about your body, right? It never, never does. And I did a whole episode on data-driven fasting. So if you want to check that out to learn more, please do. Next, I have been trying to leave my evening meal a touch hungry. I know for some of you that are a one meal a day, it's in the evening, maybe you don't want to leave your meal a touch hungry. But for me, Most of you know, as mentioned many times, I'm doing the one and a half to two meal a day thing. And so for me on that second meal, if it's a little bit lighter and it's a little bit, hey, I'm going to bed, not just stuffed, that works for me. Some of you are really good at just stopping when you're full. And I will tell you that I have improved in this area, but I am a consumer I am good at eating. And for me, I could have serving after serving. And it's Spencer's fault. (laughs) He's such a good cook. So that is a big part of it. He's so encouraging. Like, oh, here, have some more. Have some more. And I would clean every plate if I could. So for me, it's kind of like push away from the table, do a push-up, and say, you know what? I am satisfied enough right now. It is time for me to stop. That has been a really, really nice tool. Next, I believe that my meal, like I referenced already, that I want to build that plate around a protein, kind of looks like this most days. My lunch kind of looks like there's a protein there. Maybe today that protein is hamburger. Maybe today that protein is salmon. Maybe today it's shrimp. Maybe it's rotisserie chicken whatever. Then I have on hand salad that I like that is not 
a bagged salad. Bagged salads aren't all bad, but I'm meaning the ones that look like they've been sitting in there for a long time, that all the color has left the vegetable. I really try to find like the power green pack that has like kale and spinach and all the things. I make a really good salad. I have avocado on it. I put some hemp hearts on it. People, go buy some hemp hearts. For three tablespoons, you get 10 grams of protein. I'm on a huge hemp heart kick. If you have been following me for the last month, you'll see that I post them like all the time. It's almost comical. And then sometimes I'll put some cheese on it, like a feta or a goat cheese. Sometimes I don't. How have I been that day? Have I been consuming too much dairy? Then maybe I say no. If it's uh, really adding to my salad and I want it, perfect. But I try not to put too much. I also, yesterday, I had some red cabbage sauerkraut. Oh my gosh, I added that. And then I had cucumber and a dressing. And the dressings that I choose, sometimes I make homemade dressings with like some oil, vinegar, garlic, salt and pepper, and lemon juice. Sometimes I just buy them at the store. Just be careful and not buy ones that are just loaded with crap and sugar. I mean, if you can't pronounce what they are putting in it, And some of you are very anti-seed oils. However, in general, I just try to say the number one goal is to avoid dressings that are just really like dumping sugar on your salad. And then I also want you to avoid ones that are advertising low fat, low calorie, and it's just because they have a lot of fake stuff in them. Okay, let's avoid the fake stuff and let's avoid too much sugar. Okay, done and done. I already talked about kind of not buying something that's tempting you. But I also want to emphasize that you also need to buy things that help you be healthier. So for instance, I try to always have a ton of protein ready to go and at least one that is already cooked up. I have hard-boiled eggs in my fridge. I have hamburger already cooked up. I'm going to defrost some scallops today. Okay, so I have some proteins ready to go so that I am making the best food choices I can. I also have plenty of tuna and salmon. I like the Wild Planet brand. I have that in my cupboard in case I need some protein and I'm being tempted to make a poor decision. Next, I make sure I have those ingredients for my salad. I make sure I have avocados on hand and super greens and hemp hearts and whatever I love to make a yummy salad, I want it on hand. Because yes, it's important to not have foods that are not serving your health journey around for temptation too often. It's also healthy to make sure that you have plenty of the foods that do serve you around. For instance, if I don't have those foods around, guess what I do? I am foraging like an animal in the woods trying to address that hunger, trying to address what I want. And guess what happens? Nothing really does the trick for me. Nothing. It's like I have this insatiable hunger and if I just would have had a real wholesome meal, I believe strongly that I would have been much more satiated and therefore I could have made a lot healthier choices. I want to end on this postpartum journey. There were a lot of times where my weight was just stuck at a point. And I think the lie that we hear or that we think is that 
if Bet's sharing these postpartum or weight loss tips, that that means every day, every week, her scale went down. That is not true. Actually, there were weeks where it stayed the same. Weeks, I repeat, weeks. And you know what? It can be discouraging because you think, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? And I read a quote today. When it gets difficult is often right before you succeed. You need to keep showing up. You need to be confident that the tools here on Big Bold Life Podcast work. And guess what? Right before you're kind of fed up, I guarantee that's about when the scale moves. I'm going to give you an example. Last week, I shared with you on the podcast that it was kind of an overwhelming week. It felt like I had no time to do anything for me. It felt like my health had moved down the priority list a little bit. I showed back up this week, and guess what? I am at my lowest weight post-baby. And I think that has happened to me over and over again. Post-vacation. Guess what? The family trip we took, remember, we took a family vacation. I thought, oh, I was really lax. I was really flexible. The week after, I shared with you on another podcast my post-vacation tips. Guess what? I was not derailed. If anything, my body was like, oh, okay, I liked that vacation. I liked that trip. I even don't mind that you had a week of overwhelm. I'm here for you. I hope today's tips help you on your postpartum or weight loss journey. I think these can be applied to anyone. I also hope that no matter who you are, where you are, that you love yourself for all that you are, all that you were, and all that you will be. It's okay to want to get healthier if you need to. It's okay to talk about weight loss, in my opinion. But we must appreciate that things take time. And you are worthy of more than fast. You are worthy of things that last. I feel like I sounded like Dr. Seuss right there. (laughs) Anyways, I'm really serious though. These tools I'm talking about, they work. They last. They take patience. And your health is not a quick fix. It's not a seven-day juice fast. It's not a pill. It's not a powder. It's showing up the best way you know how each and every day and taking baby steps towards a little bit healthier you. Just small, consistent steps each and every day. Because your journey towards a healthier you is a lifelong endeavor. It is not an overnight or a weekly thing. And the more we just embrace that, guess what? There's most of the battle right there. What a peace that should bring each one of us. So I'm on this health journey for life, and I'm boldly sharing that with you. I hope you'll join me. See you next time, my friends. Thank you for listening today. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to write a review and push that subscribe button. I also hope you will come hang out with me on Instagram, Facebook, and my new website, vetlucas.com. And remember, friends, be you boldly. The world needs you.